So I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. I'm Naya Swami Parvati, and this is Naya Swami Anandi. I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light, commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda and written by Swami Kriyananda. This is week 52, The Divine Ascension. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, we read, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What is this I, when spoken by a master, who has conquered every vestige of eco-consciousness. Therein lies the mystery of true scriptural teaching, that I that is no I. Does it even exist? In what way is it different from the consciousness that animates other human beings? Jesus was not saying, look at me, don't look at other masters. He was saying, rather, Look at the divine self that is the essence of who you are, your very self. You are that I. No man cometh unto the the divine consciousness except by first recognizing his own intrinsic divinity, hidden behind his delusive ego. The Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter states, O son of Prita, Arjuna, in whatever way people accept me, in that way do I appear before them. For all men, in some way, pursue the path to me. Meditate on the divine incarnations. Their lives and the consciousness animating them will be your stairway to the infinite. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Well, welcome everyone. It's been such a beautiful Christmas season together. Thank you one and all. I hope those of you watching on the internet have felt the blessings of Christ during this holy season. So I'd like to begin by reading from a book that Yogananda called a scripture, his whispers from eternity, books of prayers and poems to God. Be the pole star for my ship of thoughts. O heavenly father, be thou the pole star for my ship of thoughts, and the rudder for my bark of self-discovery. Guide me to the land of eternal bliss. Well, this reading, the divine ascension, with the instructions that Swami gives to meditate on the divine incarnations, It's such a perfect one 
for this time of year. We've just had the birth of Jesus to celebrate, and around the corner is the birth of Yogananda, and the divine incarnations are all around us that we can tune into them. I wanted to start with an interesting story we heard this past fall from one of our meditation teacher training students. This woman is a yoga teacher, and she also raises dogs, trains dogs, and actually heals dogs. And she said that she had recently um, two litters of Airedales born at the same time, which meant that she had 10 little puppies, which is apparently quite a lot if you happen to be raising them. And at the point of this story, they were about six weeks old. They were about knee-high and untrainable. Uh, so it was a pretty intense scene. So she hand-makes uh, their, their meals, and she carries it out to them in a very large dish. And when she would do this, all 10 dogs would leap all over her. They'd be just jumping up, shredding her clothes, just all over the place. And it was so upsetting and annoying. And this one day, she came out with this large dish of food, and they started to do the same thing. And she is a yoga teacher, as I said. And she just stood there in the middle of this chaos, and she took a very, very long inhalation. She held her breath at the spiritual eye. She took a very, very long exhalation. And when she opened her eyes, she had quite an unusual scene. There were ten puppies sitting in a circle all around her, just looking at her. And she is, as I said, also a dog trainer, so she didn't lose the moment. And she said, I made eye contact with every single dog. And she said, after that, when she brings the plate of food out, the dogs are sitting, waiting for her. Now, she didn't exactly tune into the divine incarnation, but she tuned in to her own inner high self. And it had an effect around her. Ralph Waldo Emerson said something very interesting that goes along with the message that Swami's taking us out of 2015, leading us into 2016. Very beautiful. He said, Sorrow looks behind, worry looks around, and faith looks up. And that's how we want to go into this coming year, is whatever's happening, and this is the instructions from today's reading, be looking up, be lifting our eyes to the channels for God, the great masters, the presence of light within ourselves. One of my favorite quotations of masters is something he said, life is a battle for joy all along the way. I will fight to win the battle on the very spot where I now am. Well, in today's reading, I was thinking, I'd like to um, edit that a little bit, that, that quotation of Masters, and say, life is a battle against gravity all along the way. I will fight to win the battle against gravity. Because that's what Swami is talking about, about connecting to the divine incarnations. 
We're here in the world of matter, and it pulls on our consciousness. It pulls us down. It's so real. Life is so real. And the masters are saying there is something much more real. We are the ones that created this reality. Stick with us, and you can, you can be out of it. You can be on a different level. And so I was wanting to talk a little bit about gravity. Um, Gravity is obviously extremely useful, you know. <laughs> if you drop something, you know where to find it. It's just, it's, we, we appreciate gravity on a physical plane. But on a spiritual plane, it operates on us in a couple of different ways. It operates on us through our own subconscious minds. Our subconscious minds have um, absorbed everything that has happened to us in past lives, They've held on to past life memories, everything that we've learned from our parents, from our society, from the media, from our friends, from our teachers. It's all in our subconscious. And the subconscious is where we have our habits. It's where we have our bad habits. It's where we have our good habits. And these keep us, they perpetuate um, the status quo is what the subconscious wants to do. It, 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 it allies itself with gravity. Stay the same, don't change. Now, if we cultivate the good habits, some of those good habits will actually lift us out of gravity. I was very inspired to read recently in the Bhagavad Gita. Most of us here know that the Bhagavad Gita is an allegory, metaphor, the the forces of matter, the forces of gravity, you might say, the, are called the Kauravas. They are what keeps us tied to the material world. The forces of light, the forces of that which ally us with God and the masters, are the Pandavas. And they fight a battle for control of us. And one of the strongest warriors of the Kaurava fighters is Drona. And Drona represents habit. And habit will always side eventually with the material world. And so it will, it will keep us perpetuating who we are and so forth in a limited way. The, there is a warrior on the side of the Pandavas who eventually is the one who's able to kill Drona. This warrior is called Drishtadumnya. And Drishtadumnya represents the, the calm inner light, the presence of light of God within ourselves. But interestingly, Drishtadumnya is a successful pupil of Drona's. So he was trained by Drona, Drona is the power of habit. And what Master says that means is that in order to develop the calm inner light, we have to have the habit of meditation. We have to practice it. We have to look for it. And by developing that repeatedly, day by day, feeling that light, we're able to transform ourselves. So we have on the one hand our subconscious mind, which can be pulling us down, gravity. I um, had a first-timers week here not that long ago, and um, one of the first day or two, 
I was talking about changing ourselves and how I described something that happened with another person and it was unpleasant and, or something, rather, I don't remember the details. And I talked about how what I did to change myself and that changed the circumstance. And one of the women in the class just said, Well, why did you have to be the one to change? <laughs> and I thought, that is the perfect voice of the subconscious. You know? I thought, well, I said, well, actually, I want to change. I want to align myself with life. So, but she turned out to be a pretty fabulous lady. By the end of the week, I discovered that. But anyway, at the beginning, I was a little worried there. <laughs> so the subconscious is trying to keep us down, keep us to the familiar. But there's another force of gravity within us too, and that's the force of the kundalini, which is this primal force at the base of the spine. It's the part of ourselves, and I was so, I have to tell you, I was so relieved when Swami used to talk about this to discover I was not the only person who had this. But there was this force within us that says, I don't want to change. I don't want to be more conscious. I just want to veg out. Just don't bother me. I'm not interested. So there's this force within us that does not want to be one with God. It's committed to separateness. And so this force of gravity is acting on us. And what Swami is talking about now is using the incarnations as a skyhook, if you will, to lift us out of this pull downward. And so I wanted to talk about the force of anti-gravity, which is the masters, and how do we align with the force of anti-gravity. There was a woman who was reading. She said, uh, she said I've just been reading a fabulous book on an- anti-gravity. I can't put it down. <laughs> So we want to find that upward-moving energy, which is what the masters are offering us, this, this transformative consciousness. And I was thinking of three things to keep in mind. The first is that the power of God, the power of the masters, is, is holy and completely positive. That kundalini power at the base of the spine is the negative magnet within us. The masters that live here and here, the presence of God within us, is wholly positive. And I've been thinking, as many of us I'm sure have, on the life of our life with Swami Kriyananda and so many qualities that we watched in him. But one quality that I've been thinking of a lot lately, and probably because of this reading, is positivity. You know, never was heard a discouraging word. He just, he, everything was possible. And why was that? It was because he said to us, I want every thought that I think to be master's thought. I want every feeling that I have to be master's feeling. He was aligning himself, aligning himself always with the divine incarnation. And because of that, whatever happened. And, you know, there have been, if you reflect on it, many of us have been here a long time, others have heard the stories. I mean, there have been some pretty colossal 
things that could have buried Ananda. And then there have been these sort of relentless small things, you know, misunderstandings, losses, problems, endlessly, endlessly, endlessly. And yet never did his consciousness go there. It was always on, let's channel the light. Let's look at the possibilities. What are the solutions? Something's happened. Well, then, if something's happened, there must be a solution to it. And it took tremendous mental strength to be in that place and tremendous holding on, holding on very, very tight to this consciousness of the divine within. That's where he got his power. That's where we get our power. That's where we can get our power, not from inside of ourselves, but from that light that is available to us. There's a story from Greek mythology uh, about Hercules. Hercules was very strong. He was called the protector of mankind. He was the son of Hera. And he had to do a number of um, tasks. Uh, He had to fulfill some... uh, duties that were assigned to him. And one of them was he had to kill this terrible demon named Antaeus. Antaeus was the son of Mother Earth. Gravity. (laughs) And because uh, he was the son of Mother Earth, and because he was a wrestler, anybody that tried to wrestle him, in wrestling you try to pin the person to the ground, well, every time they tried to pin him to the ground, he drew his strength from the Mother Earth. And he came back with great force and would, had killed many, many, many warriors. And so Hercules' job was to get rid of Antaeus. And so he knew he could not wrestle him in the normal way of taking him to the ground. So what he did is he lifted him up. And he held him away from the Mother Earth. And he held him up until Antaeus became so weak that he was able to kill him. And that is our job for those parts of ourselves that um, are pulling us down. Where do they get their strength? They get their strength from the subconscious. They get their strength from the kundalini. They get their strength from the material desires. Everything that holds us to the earth will feed them. But keeping our mind up and saying, I don't care what I'm up against. It doesn't matter. I just have to keep my mind with my guru, with God, and it will change. I was remembering something that happened one day. Uh, Bharat and I started some discussion before we meditated. And something was, I forgot, something was wrong that we were trying to figure out. And it seemed pretty hopeless and depressing and so we said let's just not talk about it now let's just go meditate and of course I expected you know you meditate and you come back and there it is all the same as it was and you tackle it with fresh mental energy when we came back it wasn't there anymore it just it didn't happen it wasn't it didn't exist anymore and it just sort of went away and that's what we can do with trying to just really put it in God's hands really say what's what the problems are are not are not what I want to be thinking about. I want to be thinking about the power of God within me. And that's what's going to change things. 
So that first point is to tune into that positive, positive flow of divine light. The second is to remember the presence of the masters are always with us. I've been thinking lately, someone had a quote that said, gratitude is the shortest lived emotion. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Think about the times you've been touched by the presence of God. Uh, Something happened just recently, and, and I just was chuckling inside myself, because we kind of are like, Yes, yes, God, I know you did that, but what have you done for me lately? <laughs> no, just the, just the, the tendency to forget the miraculous transformations that we've experienced, small ways, great ways, and hold on to those. That power of God is always within us. I have a friend in the community who, who has gone through a really, really rough time. And um, when I was talking to her, I I felt bad about that. And I said, well, why don't we, um, let's go meditate at Swami's um, meditation room together. It was the only thing I could think of to do for her. And we went there to this meditation room. And I really felt like Swami just turned on the blessings for her. She needed them so much. And it was an extraordinary meditation. It was electric. And when the meditation was over, it took us a half an hour to pull ourselves away from the room. We just, you know, first we opened our eyes, you know, it would just, we just couldn't leave. It was so um, magnetic there, and I encourage you to go there, obviously. Um, But when it was over, she said, that was life-changing. And I said, how or why? Why do you say that? And she said, well with all that I've been going through, to know that that is there, underneath it all, it changes everything. And that's the truth, isn't it? We know we just had all that wonderful, wonderful rain and dark and wind, and it was wonderful, and the sun was still shining. It was shining out there. We couldn't see it because of the clouds, but it was there. And it's the same with the presence of the masters. They're there. You may be having a phase in your life where you can't meditate very well, or you are dealing with a lot of illness or whatever, and you just don't feel the connection, but it's there. It's always there. And we want to think about that perpetual aspect of the presence of the masters. One of our friends from... Italy, one of our ministers there, talked about going to, taking Swami Kriyananda to dinner at a home in Italy. And these people were friends of Ananda, but they weren't disciples, they weren't devotees. And so they had a lovely home and a lovely dinner and lovely conversation about books and music. And our friend, the, the Ananda minister, was thinking, oh, this is nice, it's all very nice, but Here's Swami, it would be so nice if we could be talking about spiritual things. And he was sitting right next to Swami, and Swami just at that moment just leaned over and very quietly hummed under his breath, Lord, I am thine, I am thine, I am thine. We have that chant, Lord, I am thine, I am thine, I am thine. Be thou mine, oh, be thou mine. And our friend Jayadev got the message, it's like, it's all God. Let's not worry about the details. The presence of God 
is always there. Master used to tell the story about St. Anthony of the desert. And St. Anthony was, um, he left society, he went out to live alone in a cave. And then he was so magnetic, actually, that other people kind of would kind of come out and live in caves near him. And so as soon as the, the crowds around him, maybe you know five or six people in other caves, would get too thick, then he would actually pick up and move to a cave farther out in the desert. But he did not have an easy time of it. He was tested by Satan all the time. They would have these terrible visions, temptations, um, and finally, and it was just, and he was just there, and he was committed to Jesus Christ. He lived about 300 years after Jesus Christ. He was just committed to giving his life to Christ. And finally, at one point, Satan came to him and he said, this is it. I'm going to pull down this cave, and you're going to die, and I'm just going to, you know, take you into my world. And Anthony just called out so strongly to Jesus, and Jesus came. And the horrible vision vanished. And St. Anthony was there with Jesus. And he said, my Lord, my Lord, why didn't you come? You know, what took you so long, basically, is what Master said. Why didn't you come sooner? And Jesus said to him, this is what Master says on his tape, he said, Anthony, Anthony, I was just the same with you. I've been here the whole time. You just didn't know it. And that's the truth for us. God is just the same with us right now as he was with Master, as he was with St. Anthony and all the great saints. It's up to us to find it. We have to open ourselves. We have to receive it. So the presence of God, the positivity, the presence of God always with us. And the last point is how much we have to develop devotion. One of Yogananda's disciples was walking with him on the grounds of one of his retreats. And a man came up to Yogananda, and he just kind of said hello, didn't greet him with a pronoun, no sense of devotion. And he came up to Yogananda, and he said, I've, I've done a million Kriyas. Kriyas are technique of meditation. Each Kriya is supposed to free you from one year of living. So a million Kriyas is a tremendous accomplishment. And the disciple was somewhat impressed. He couldn't understand why the man didn't greet Yogananda with any warmth or devotion, but still he thought that was pretty great that the man had done a million Kriyas. And the man left, and then Yogananda turned to this disciple, and he said, I've told him. He, he, he thinks he can get there by himself. I've told him, Kriya can take you to the door but it can't take you through the door to God. Only devotion to God, only devotion to the Guru can take you through the door. So that's the need. We have to develop that devotion. We have to do the Kriya. We have to do it with the devotion. The two together are essential. So developing that devotion. Somebody said to Yogananda, Sir, will you bless me please that I never leave the spiritual path. And he said, I give that blessing to everyone. We know that there are many people that have left the spiritual path, but it's not because the guru didn't bless them. The gurus, the light, they're blessing us all the time. 
The question is, are we receiving it? Are we responding? Are we reaching for it? Do we want it? It's our devotion that makes the difference. So we want to cultivate that that devotion. The masters are paying attention to us. Um, In the scriptures, it says this in many different ways. Yogananda said, um, he said, you can be the worst of sinners, and if you one time say, God, I love you, you are saved. Doesn't seem quite fair, does it? But he's talking about a deep soul call. Yes, this is what I want. This is all that I want. Mistakes don't matter. In the beginning of the Srimad Bhagavatam, it says, you can fail at your dharma. You can be a great sinner. But if you love God in your heart, God will be pleased and he will free you. This is what the masters come to tell us. Love God, love God, love God. Just to the best of our ability, we take it as far as we can. We ask for help to be able to love him more. And he will help us with that. Swami Kriyananda said that one of his brother disciples, a disciple of Yogananda, used to pray to Master Just as he went through his day, it was his form of japa, his form of mental prayer, just whatever he did. He was praying to himself, I love you, Master. I love you, Master. I love you, Master. And then one day, he ran into Yogananda in the garden. And Yogananda just looked at him and he said, I love you too. So they know what we're thinking. They respond to it. And... It really is up to us to say it doesn't really matter what's happening around me, within me. I will love. I will love. I will love the divine incarnation and I will love God. <laughs>